This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We've got an interesting program today. Uh, we're continuing our subscription series. Uh, this week we'll be covering Kobo. If uh, you are into reading books and would like kind of more of a, an all-you-can-eat buffet option, this might be for you. Ten bucks a month. Who wouldn't want an all-you-can-eat buffet? Yeah, we'll uh, be talking with Ted Kritsonos. Uh, he's had a chance to try it out. Is it worth it? Are there enough good books in that $10 a month package? Well, stay tuned and you'll find out. We'll also be continuing my uh, 5G journey. Uh, journey. We uh, had uh, an interesting beer the other uh, night, John and I, and just doing speed tests on uh, a few different phones, some using the standard 4G technology that all cell phones use right now, and uh, one using the new 5G technology. You'll be surprised at the results. And we're going to be talking trademarks. If you are a business owner, if you are thinking of starting a business or you've got some products uh, that you want to get into the market, trademarking them is super important, but also complicated and expensive. We'll be talking with Julie McDowell. She is one of the founders of Heirloom. It's a uh, Canadian woman-founded company that uh, was uh, using some of uh, Google's uh, startup uh, program to launch and this is kind of cool it's an app that lets you trademark your business name or a product at a fraction of the price and makes it way less complicated so you got to stay tuned for that as well super interesting uh, segment let's talk some of the news uh, now john i found this interesting uh, a lot of us use gps to get around like apple maps google maps uh, a lot of folks use Waze. It's kind of an offshoot of google maps but way more robust. You can actually see where there are traffic jams or radar traps and, and things like that. Well, now you can actually plan your trip out on your desktop computer and send that to your phone. I've actually just started using Waze recently uh, and I actually do prefer it over Google Maps. Why? F- for some things. Um, I just like the, the it, it's much clearer what your path is and along the way if anything is in your way people have the other wazers have the ability to flag them so whether there's a cop there whether there's an accident or something else like that whereas on google maps you just know there's a red area yeah right bad <laughs> backup right yeah. um you so you get a little bit more detail and you can actually even contribute to that you can actually say uh no the cop's gone or whatever just with one tap on your screen if you have like CarPlay and Android Auto, that type of thing. Um, so I, I find it quite nice. I, there is one thing I wish that Waze had that, that Google Maps does. Google Maps will color code your ETA and it'll be green or red based on like, oh. like it's just a very simple like, hey, it's you're, you're green, you're good all the way, there's nothing in your way. On Waze, using the same interface, the same exact little box that shows you your ETA, it's just black. It doesn't give you any. So green means good, red means you might be late? Yeah. Well, and there's different colors of red, red and orange, right? So, yeah. Good for the colorblind people, (laughs) like me. That's right. (laughs) They all look the same. Anyway, if you are a Waze user on uh, your mobile device, now you can plan your trip out ahead of time on your desktop. Kind of of cool. This is a feature uh, coming up here. It's from Google for Android phones, uh, available on Pixel phones. They're going to be rolling this out in other countries. No word on when it's coming to Canada yet, but I'm looking forward to this. It's the Google Phone app. It'll be available at first, I think, to Samsung and LG phones, and of course, Pixel uh, users will have it, that when a business calls, 
it can tell you why they're calling and it can also verify them. And this is what I hope the future is. This is huge. Because like how many calls a day do we get from random CRA scams? And Oh, the- yeah. How many cruises have I won? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I hope none of them are true because <laughs> I just hang up. So now a business can go in uh, through the Google interface and verify themselves. And when they call a customer now, the customer, if they're using the phone app, will get a verification. They'll have a little badge and even the reason why you're calling. If you're a bank calling, for example, it could be a call about a fraudulent charge on your credit card or it could be a marketing call and they would have to put that in. That's great. I think it's fantastic. It's like pre-screening for your (laughs) pre-screening. Anyway, this is something new from Google. Uh, It's the phone app. No word on exactly when it's coming to Canada. I would guesstimate probably in the next couple months, but uh, something... I am definitely, definitely looking forward to. Okay, we have an awesome program coming up. Uh, we'll be talking about 5G technology versus 4G. Should you upgrade to a 5G phone? Listen to the segment before you do. We'll also be talking about all you can read book subscriptions. Are they worth it? We'll have Ted Kritsonos on the line. And coming up next, have you been wanting to trademark your business or our product? We've got an app for that. Stay tuned. You are back with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here with uh, John Beeler. Came across an interesting uh, app. Uh, you know, this is good for people uh, and, and businesses, especially that uh, want to trademark something. Uh, you know, if you've ever tried to do that in the past, it's not always easy. You got to obviously have lawyers involved, and you got to find the lawyers and uh, you know the appropriate paperwork. Uh, you know, I've gone through it before, and it's not something I love doing. <laughs> it's expensive and complicated. Well. There's an app for that now. We've uh, got a great guest on the line. Uh, her name is Julie McDonald. She is the CEO of Heirloom, uh, an app that helps make getting a trademark easier. Thanks for joining us, Julie. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Uh, let's uh, talk about trademarks in general. Can you just kind of give our audience uh, kind of a reader's digest of why it's important to have a trademark? Yeah, I I think you'd be surprised at how many small and medium-sized business owners don't even understand the importance of trademarks. Um, But uh, one of the most striking things that I say to them is that um, you don't even legally own your domain until you register the corresponding trademark. That doesn't mean you register the domain as a trademark. It means if you're Nike.com, you register Nike, the name, as a trademark. Um, And unless you do that, your domain can actually be transferred to a trademark owner. Um, So it's really critical. And typically what we would want to see is whenever you come up with a business idea, you're about to open your doors, or even just kind of start thinking about, you know, registering domains and things like that. Before you do any of it, you'd want to register a trademark. Is that just the name? Uh, is it uh, the logo of your idea or company as well? What, what does that encompass? Most commonly in a small mid- and sort of medium-sized business context, it's a name and a logo, sometimes a tagline. So to give a Nike example, the Nike name, the Nike swoosh logo, and then just do it as a tagline. But there are businesses, especially in certain sectors, beer and food and things like that, that will also have kind of sub-brands, which we uh, would consider product names, um, things like that. 
So, for example, uh, you know, we broadcast a show out of Vancouver here. Lots of craft breweries. Um, so you're saying basically they, they should trademark, obviously, the name of their company. Uh, but should they be trademarking all the different brands that they're coming up with as well? Yeah, it's, it's a tricky thing because legally, yes, they should. So as a lawyer, I'm going to say register all of those product names. However, what I like to do with clients is just make sure they're maximizing budget. Um, before heirloom existed, you really had to uh, hire a lawyer to get it right in terms of trademarks. And that becomes extremely expensive. If you think of you know your, your primary brand identity, name, logo, tagline, and then heading into all these product names. I call it kind of the Ben and Jerry's of branding. Um, and typically with the small to medium sized business, I discourage them from um, product lines sort of in that in that direction, that Ben and Jerry's direction, um, because you don't want to get into that big legal cost of doing it. And so we'll say, you know, develop a really strong company brand and then call a pale ale nothing more than a pale ale, um, that, that kind of thing. However, what Heirloom's meant to do is to provide easy access to brand protection beyond just your primary brand. And we've seen that with our early users. They'll do their name and their logo, which is typical, and then they'll come back and they'll throw in a product name or you know another kind of company name that they've been thinking about because we've made it so accessible and affordable. So let's talk about that, Julie. What would people have to do in the past to trademark something? Like what were the steps? You know, what was the ballpark range of pricing it would take to get the lawyers involved? And then we'll talk about your app, Heirloom, and, and how you've simplified that. So in the old days, or, or even now, like, uh, you know, how, how much does it cost? Like what steps do you have to go through? Yeah, so there are two ways of doing it. There's the, the, the proper way, I'm going to call it, like the solid way of doing it is to hire a lawyer. Um, a lawyer and registered trademark agent. So it's re really difficult to become a registered trademark agent with the uh, intellectual property office. So you want to make sure whoever you hire has that status. To hire a lawyer with that status, you're looking in the range of two to $4,000. And the process will take anywhere from two weeks to six weeks, really, to even get your application filed. Then there's the other kind of um, side of the spectrum, which is budget services. Budget services are typically non-lawyer services, so they're not vetted by the government. Um, many of them I consider to be somewhat predatory, um, so they don't really check um, availability properly. They can give you a false positive sometimes just because their tools are insufficient in terms of whether you can own the trademark, so you'll file something that's destined to fail. Um, some of them are okay, but generally on the budget end, it's sort of a, a bit of a hit or miss whether you're getting the quality that you can really bank all of your marketing dollars on. Because at the end of the day, you're putting everything, all of your marketing, everything relies on your brand ownership. Um, so those are kind of the two ends of the spectrum. On the budget side, it's a little bit faster turnaround because there isn't that quality control and you're looking in a range of about $1,000. What we do with um, Heirloom is we completely disrupt both industries. We provide lawyer quality output through um, a disruptive business model. So 
um, our actual business model is disrupted, our, our technology um, is quick and easy, so our practitioners can do uh, instant deep dive comprehensive trademark searches where normally a lawyer is going to outsource that to a company that's going to take two weeks to deliver it. Um, so um, multiple kind of layers of innovation and we offer, um, you know, as low as $5.99 currently for a single filing and then discounts on additional filings. So you'll pay $5.99, let's say for your name and then $200 for a discounted add-on logo application. Soon we'll be launching technology really in the next month or so where you can do it fully on your own at a price point of around $99. Woof, <laughs> wow. You're not gonna be very popular with uh, the trademark lawyers. <laughs> no, we're, <laughs> we're hoping to be popular with the people that we love, which are <laughs> who are the small to medium-sized uh, business owners who we really, uh, you know, in terms of our company culture, just absolutely adore them. We believe that those are the heroes of our economy. I think COVID has shown us that. And those are the people that we care about pleasing. Can I ask you a question? So if I use your app and I, uh, you know, I get my trademark, I pay the $600. Uh, where is that good? Is that just Canada? Is that US? Is it worldwide? How does that work? Oh, yeah, that's the most common question we get, I would say. Trademarks are jurisdictional by country. So you have to apply to each country office. So when I talk about 599, I'm talking about, you know, submitting for Canada. If you want to submit in the U.S., it's a separate process, a separate fee. We're launching a U.S.-facing version of our technology in uh, three days. So um, we'll be offering U.S. market services um, soon, but we have to roll out country by country. You were actually, uh, you know, how we came across you. Uh, Google has uh, this uh, really cool program uh, for women-founded companies. Uh, they've got a startup uh, accelerator. Um, you were involved with this. How, how did this help you? <clears throat> well, it helps us tremendously for a couple of reasons. I think any woman founder or woman-led uh, company is going to tell you, first off the bat, which is a bit... <laughs> a bit uh, and antithetical to what I'm about to say, but they'll, they'll tell you, look, money is more important than mentorship to us because access to money is so difficult for women-led tech companies in particular. What's a fa a fantastic about the Google for Startups program is that it's mentorship that leads to money or it's mentorship in areas that mentorship is very difficult to get for women founders. Um, it's also just that support from an entity as massive as Google so that we can walk into an investor meeting and say, look, Google is supporting us. Um, so it's extremely special. We are, uh, I always joke that we are a unicorn in terms of being a tech company. Typically when you describe a unicorn in tech, that means a company that's just got explosive revenue growth. Um, I'm not saying we won't have that. I hope we have that, but we're a unicorn in the sense that our CTO is, a woman. Um, so in the realm of tech generally, female CTOs and companies that are female led with a female CTO are unicorns. They're so rare. So to be able to have our CTO who generally feels 
utterly lonely in the world of tech <laughs> um, because she's such a, you know, she, she's so rare in that environment um, to have Google kind of step in and say, look, we're going to connect you with the other women who have that experience and you're going to be able to sit one-on-one and it's not going to be talking about, you know, the journey of entrepreneurship as a woman, which you can get anywhere, but it's let's dig into the tech together and solve these extremely complex problems together. Um, so it's huge. We're talking with Julie McDonald. She's the CEO of Heirloom, uh, an app that uh, makes getting a trademark for your uh, business, your product uh, that much easier. Julie, where can people find out more information about Heirloom? Yeah, well, they can go to our website. Um, Heirloom doesn't have the traditional dictionary spelling. Um, It's H-E-I-R-L-U-M-E, co-co dot com. Um, So currently, that's, again, the Canadian-facing website, and we'll be launching U.S.-facing in just a, a few days. Well... For one, I'm going to be checking out checking it out because I don't think I've uh, trademarked any of my companies, and now now I'm scared. <laughs> but uh, delighted that is not going to. Co- <laughs> I'm delighted it's not going to cost me as much money as I thought. Julie, thanks so much for joining us, and good luck with uh, with this. I so appreciate it. Thanks so much. When we come back from the break, more apps to talk about here on the App Show. Stay tuned. You are back with. The program, Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We're going to get into subscriptions, uh, and this is something that we've got going up on our website. We're going to be posting uh, a lot of uh, great uh, articles and blogs about the different types of subscriptions that are available now, and that's what the world is. Pretty much everything's going towards a subscription model. I mean, it, it, Netflix, Spotify, Spotify, Apple Music. It, it makes sense because you don't have this big outlay of cash to buy all your favorite records and favorite movies, all that kind of stuff. But sometimes some of these things can be a little, little tricky to navigate. Yeah. I, and that's the reason why we wanted to do this, uh, this series. Uh, again, we're going to have articles uh, about this up on our website. So everything from, you know, like Netflix subscriptions and video streaming uh, to like YouTube uh, subscriptions, um, Spotify, Kobo, what have you. What does the pro version get you over the free version? Yeah, like they have family versions. They got the free versions. They got the single user version. Some have two-person user versions now as well. Ultra and plus. Yeah, so we're going to try to demystify that. And today, it's all about books and specifically with Kobo. And to help us with this, and he's a subscription master. His name is Ted Kretzonos. You've heard him here before. He's uh, our... Our, I guess, uh, most popular tech journalist out of Toronto. And some would call him a friend. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Ted. Pleasure to be with you guys. So let's talk about Kobo. And so, sure. yeah, I think some listeners are probably familiar with the brand. Uh, this uh, started out in Canada, I believe. Uh, it's the. In Toronto, actually. Toronto. It's the yeah. ebook reader, the Kobo ebook reader. And, uh, you know, it's had an up and down history. I think e-readers in general didn't light the world on fire. Well, and there's a big elephant in the room that sort of stomped all over them. <laughs> Is that like the Amazon elephant? Yes. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, as far as competition, yeah. I would have to say it's Amazon with their Kindle readers yeah. and Kobo with their readers. And, uh, Ted, they have a subscription service now that might be yeah. appealing to folks that like to read so you don't necessarily have to have one of their e-readers with the e-ink display although those are fantastic if you are an avid reader but the Kobo app will work on 
your laptop, your your tablets, your your iPhone as well. And Android phone, yeah. So the the app works on a, on a number of different devices, as you mentioned, and it does work on pretty much every Kobo e-reader as well. There's only two. There's the Kobo Wi-Fi and the Kobo Mini. Those are the only two. Uh, those are all models, by the way. Uh, but they the Kobo Plus service will not work on there. Now, Kobo Plus costs ten dollars ten dollars a month, and it is an all like it's a buffet. So basically, it's all you can read. Uh, you know, over a month period, although there are some limitations. Two of them, in fact, that I wanted to point out. One is that you do not get access to the entire Kobo store catalog or library. So we have about 4 million ebooks that are on there, right? Uh, you're not going to get access to all that because basically what it comes down to is that not every publisher is on board with a service like Kobo Plus. So if they pull their books back, then they're not going to be part of the service. So instead, what you have is access to what Kobo says are hundreds of thousands of titles. Now, I would venture, I don't know the exact number, I would venture to say it's probably closer to 100,000 uh, as opposed to 900,000, but I don't know the full number. And in any case, um, it is a mixture of titles. So you're going to get some that are really well-known or recognizable, and then you're going to get some that are like self-published or just not very well-known and really low cost. Like ninety nine cents, a dollar ninety nine, two ninety nine. You know, if you like if that. you were to buy them outright, if you were to buy them outright, yeah. yeah. So, the other second limitation that I want to get to quickly is that you're also limited to fifteen titles per month. So if you if you download fifteen titles, that you know you have to either go through those fifteen or you have to wait until the month expires and you start a new month again. Um, so they've they've added that limitation in there. Uh, so that's not down. really unlimited then. You have. <laughs> yeah, it's it's at one time. So I guess so you, I guess a dictionary wasn't one of the books that you. Could. <laughs> yeah, so it, it, it's at one time. So um, you you could kind of drop titles and then add them. Uh, oh, okay. But the idea was like like you know you're not downloading like fifty uh, in one shot, right? And then having them on your device. Okay, so, I th the way you described it, I thought that meant you could only get download fifteen books over the course of a month as opposed to having one book on Monday and then on Friday you download another one, you just rinse and repeat until you have 50 or whatever. Some people are voracious readers and they can read a whole book in a day, right? So that's- Well, I think 15 books is a lot. It is a it lot, is. but I do know people that will read a whole book in a day. Yeah. And so yeah. in theory, that would be 30 books they would need, but they just can't have them all downloaded at the same time. Yeah, so that that was my understanding uh, when I went over the service was basically that it's fifteen at one time. Now I I admit I could be a little bit off on this, but I think that's what it is. It's it's fifteen at one time, and that's all. Um, and then when the new month starts, you basically get another like it's like a fresh batch, so to speak. But at the same time, I don't. I mean, fifteen bucks is a lot. I mean, for yeah. the average person, I agree with Mike. Like it, it's a lot for a person to get through in in one month. And there's a caveat here because it also matters how much the books cost if you were to buy them. So I mentioned earlier that they were lower cost books, right? We got 99 cents, $2, $3. Now, if you subscribe to this and you only can get through two or three, and, the, the, and if you were to buy the books, it's actually less than the $10 that you spent for the service, all of a sudden now it's not really good value. So it's almost like you have to subscribe to this in a way where you know that you're going to be you know, at least downloading some books that are expensive. Like it could be 20 bucks, 30 bucks, uh, and they are there. They, 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 some of them are there. Then it makes sense. So I think 
that's why, you know, when I wrote the article about it, I was saying that you kind of have to do the math a little bit and see if it makes sense for you to go with this service. Because right now, I mean, they just started, they just launched it in July. So it, it's still early, um, but you know, you gotta, you, you have to kind of, I guess, justify the 10 bucks a month if you're gonna do this. I guess it's kind of like the the whole idea of Netflix versus Amazon Prime for video the content has to be there. Like if there's a favorite author you might like, for example, would they be on Kobo? Would they be on Kindle? You know, or is there something unique that Kobo offers that you can't find anywhere else? So it's a good question. And I think to your point about the limit of 15 books, Kobo would say, I mean, I don't speak for Kobo obviously, but I'm thinking that their ration, their rationale would be, Hey, wait a second. If you, if you can't find the book, on Kobo Plus, then why not set up an OverDrive account, get a you know get a, a, a library card from your local public library, and see if they have it, and then just download it from them. What's an OverDrive account? So OverDrive is a is a service that links you uh, it links your Kobo with a your local public library, so that you can literally take out eBooks like you would physical books. So if they have the eBook available, you basically borrow it like you normally would with a with a with a physical book. Um, it's a really cool service. They've had it for years, so it's not new. But why would you need to go through Kobo for that? Oh, it, it's just the convenience. I mean, if it, you can just be at home and you know, and then browse through what the library has, pick out the book that's available, and that's it. The only downside is that the library has to have the book available. So if if someone else has taken it out, you can't get it. They literally treat the ebook as if it's a physical book. So if they only have like two or one, that's it. So somebody has what a, it. What a great an, what a great analog idea, uh, Ted. <laughs> uh, I guess it all comes down to so you know we're talking about this Kobo subscriptions, ten bucks a month, and yep. you get you know choice of could be a hundred to two hundred thousand books in their library. Uh, you can take out fifteen a month, but it comes down to like what are the books? Like how good are they? Yes. Are they yes. are they popular books? You're talking about yes. books that are a dollar, dollar fifty. I would guess that they're not the popular books. No, no, no. Not for Harry Potter or anything. Yeah, and that's why I prefaced what I said earlier with the fact that, you know, some of the big publishers are not on board with this. Uh, Now, to be fair, they're not on board with with Amazon's Kindle Unlimited service, which is the same kind of idea either. Uh, Those guys want, want, you know, customers to pay full freight for their e-books, and that's that's that. But the good thing, at least, is that before you sign up, now you do get the trial period, but before you even sign up, you can see – so even no matter where you're browsing or you know where you are in the Kobo store, it'll t- it'll show you which books are available on Kobo Plus. In fact, you can even you can even just browse Kobo Plus if you want on its own before even signing up for it, so you can see what is available there, including the pricing. So that way you can you know start to do the math and see if the money works out for you. So you got to be a voracious reader, and yes. you have to like the books that are available, essentially. Uh, yeah. But at least Absolutely. you can at least you can preview before you even sign up, just to yes. see if there's enough yes. enough totally. enough meat on the bone. Well, Ted, that uh, that was very helpful. I didn't really even know that they had this. Well, what they say is unlimited slash fifteen books a month <laughs> service. Uh, but you know, for for readers, uh, ten bucks a month. That's that's pretty good. Ted, uh, I want to thank you for joining us. And if you want to uh, read about. Uh, 
Kobo Plus. You can check out our website, getconnectedmedia.com. We've got uh, Ted's uh, blog up there about it to give you a little more info. When we come back from the break, more apps to talk about here on the App Show. Stay tuned. You are back with the App Show. Don't forget to hit the contest page on our website, getconnectedmedia.com, giving away a Samsung Galaxy A51 smartphone. Again, just go to our website, getconnectedmedia.com, to enter to win. I want to talk more, John, about uh, 5G. We had uh, an interesting beer <laughs> the other other night. Um, being the nerds we are, you know, we we had a few phones with us because we're always trying these things out, uh, you know, to feature on Global and our TV show. And the big thing right now, the carriers are going to start pushing 5G technology or 5G networks. So to take advantage of this, you've got to have a phone that is capable of that. Do you? Well, so I had uh, I've got I've got all the new Samsung phones and I've, you know, I've got a 5G SIM in them. And so we're sitting having a, a beer and and I've been testing this around and you know, you might have listened to last week's show where I, I said I'm just not feeling the 5G love yet. You know, I've got a phone that's capable of doing it and I'm just not seeing a huge difference. And so we decided to do a speed test on some of the phones we had. Uh one of them was yours, and it was on TELUS. Yes. And um, the Samsung phone I have is on TELUS uh, as well, but it's 5G. And <laughs> we did the speed test, and I got really sad. Why was that, Mike? Because you've got an iPhone 11. Yeah. And you've got 4G service, which is kind of the normal service that everyone has right now. Mm-hmm. And you were blowing my Samsung 5G phone away as far as the speed test is concerned. Sometimes it it was almost double. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and it shouldn't be. Now, we should sort of put an asterisk beside this because we did try a number of different speed test services. We tried, if you just Google speed test, Google has kind of their own in the browser. We also used speedtest.net on the website. And we also downloaded their app, which tends to be a little bit more accurate. It didn't matter, John. You you doubled my 5G phone speed every single time. Yeah. And so, and I know these are nerdy numbers and not everyone's going to understand them, but uh, I was averaging about 200 to 250 megabyte downloads yep. per second downloads. Yep. And you, at, at one point, even got up to 500 on the older 4G <laughs> technology. Uh, yeah, no, it, I think 540 was the best I did. Yeah. And the, the crazy thing, and we talk about this all the time, my upload speed was double what I get on my Shaw Home Internet. That's pretty good. I was getting between 40 and 60 megabits upload. My upload speeds on the 5G phone were comparable yes. to you. Yes. yes, they were good. Yeah. But that's not the big <laughs> yeah, the big thing. So the, the the things that we were concerned about or wanted to sort of make note of is the fact that, you know, we were literally sitting in a craft brewery. I don't even know where the tower is yes. in relation to us, but we were both on Telus. Yeah. Like you said, I was on my iPhone uh, 11 Pro with a Telesim with 4G service, and you had your Samsung uh, Flip yes. 5G with a Telus 5G SIM. So one of the questions, you know, to be truly apples to apples, pun intended, would be to throw that 5G SIM into your iPhone to see if we had the same result. We're, we're going to be doing more testing. So, you know, this is not a scientific no. test by any stretch, but... I'm j- if you want to see a grown man cry, yeah. run a speed test in front of him. 
but I also we also speed tested uh, my iPhone. Yeah. Uh, that has the Shaw Mobile. Yes. Service. They don't have five G yet. They're still four G, but it is a pale reflection compared to the Telespeed. There is no doubt that Telus blows it out of the water right now. Yeah. I was getting on average, uh, you know, about one hundred and twenty megabytes per second download speeds. Oh, okay. I thought it was actually lower. Okay, sometimes. Well, a lot of times it was. It was. It was hovering around 100. And so, keep in mind, we don't know where the towers are for these different guys. That has a, a big uh, yeah. effect. And we were indoors in, you know, uh, a brewery that has all this crazy equipment that could have also affected it. But clearly, it amplified my service. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was kind of weird. Uh, but we're going to be testing this more, okay? Because yeah. this is just one area and. I, I have been taking a 5G phone around to different areas. Yeah. It's just I, I can't notice a huge difference in, in the speed. And clearly, I can see why now. Well, no. And, and honestly, these speed tests are really just benchmarks yeah. uh, for bragging rights. It doesn't directly correlate to how fast you're going to be browsing uh, our website, Google, or Facebook. So, or yeah, anything. keep that in mind. Like, So the Shaw mobile phone that I had, it's an iPhone with a Shaw mobile SIM in it. Yeah, I mean... Your phone was blowing it away. The Samsung phone was blowing away with the 5G service. Um, however, like if you were just opening web pages and stuff, y- you would not be able to tell the difference. No. And this is something to keep in mind when the carriers start wanting to charge you more for a 5G SIM. Do you think they will? Uh, I think at least at first, it's going to be a premium. I am. I hope not. Anyway, so that's our uh, <laughs> our latest uh, testing uh, of the 5G service, and uh, we're going to continue to do this over the next few weeks, and hopefully find a spot where my 5G SIM and phone will blow your your Telus 4G SIM away. Yes, but we'll have to wait. Okay, when we come back, a lot more apps to talk about here on the App Show. Stay tuned. You are back with the App Show, Mike and John here. Please go to our website. We've got a great contest going. Please, please. <laughs> No, it's it's awesome. We've got all sorts of great tech blogs up there, how-to videos. Uh, we're always checking out the latest smartphones and smart home gear uh, so that you don't have to, right? You can uh, make some informed uh, buying decisions. Uh, again, getconnectedmedia.com. The contest right now, we're giving away a Samsung Galaxy A51 smartphone. This thing is beautiful, and it's so easy. Just go to the newsletter tab, subscribe, and you are entered to win this contest and all the contests going forward. So you really can't lose. And you get some great content. Yes. I think. Yeah, we think so. Uh, that's all the time we have left. I want to thank all the folks that helped put the app show together. John, uh, my co-host and producer, of course, Christina, uh, back at the ranch, and uh, all the other folks. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.